0: good morning does it feel cooler in here this week Amen. praise God for air conditioning last week we had a we did have a compressor that went out on us and so uh, that was a lot of fun but now we should be back in business it feels a lot better this week having air conditioning now we've been in a series called no plan B if there's no plan B and we are the a team then failure is not an Good job. Failure is not an option. If failure is not an option, then that means that if we fail one time, then we must try again. If we fail again, then we must try again. We must keep trying and we must try, try, try again. Are you getting the point? Failure is not an option. So that means if you have prayed for somebody, if you have been praying for somebody for one year, two years, three years, for 365 days, and yet nothing that seems to happen, failure is still not an option. Over and over again, you are the light, you are the salt of the world. And maybe some of you in here have been praying for years for somebody. You've been praying that God would just allow you to be the salt, allow you to be the light so that God would transform their life and maybe it still hasn't happened yet. And so you've been sitting here and it is just one of those things that is just hard pressed on your heart and you're going, man, I I pray really hard. I pray and I'm doing everything I can, but something's just not happening. Can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't stop. They say that Thomas Edison spent over 9,000 times trying to get the light bulb correct. I think I might've stopped after 500. I mean 500, okay, that's enough. I obviously am not smart enough to get it, but Thomas Edison, it was around the 10,000th time he got the light bulb correct. They asked him about his failures, those 9,999 times that he failed. And here's his response. Those aren't failures. It was just 9,999 times in which I proved that wouldn't work. (laughs) That's not a bad way to look at it, is it? So how have you been doing? Salt and light, how have you been doing? Over the last two weeks, we've talked about it. So has it made a difference in the way you've lived? Has it made a difference in how you've interacted with people? Has it made a difference in the way you talk is it easy to be salt and light or have you found it difficult maybe some of you even found it where it's, it's just really hard and it's almost scary trying to be on mission with Jesus Christ bringing his gospel bringing his word to bear on our circumstances maybe you found it just a little bit intimidating scary even is that you It's the first time that you've actually brought up Jesus and maybe it's really hard for you. And maybe you find yourself struggling, trying to to be that salt and light. It reminds me of a young child who his mom was tucking him into bed and as she was tucking him into bed, the lightning was flashing and the thunder was crashing and the little boy was scared. And his mom tucked him into bed and, and she kissed him on the forehead and she gets to the door, she turns out the light and the little boy... Throws out his hands and says, Mommy, Mommy, please stay with me all night. She quietly walks back over, honey. She starts tucking him back in, gets his arms back under the covers. She said, You know I can't do that. I have to sleep in daddy's room. She kisses him again and she gets to the door. And as she starts to shut the door, the little boy whispered, The big sissy. It's hard, isn't it, to be salt and light. It's hard to think about this is what you're called to do, is to be salt and light. And let's just remind everybody, because we're back in the middle of the the, the Sermon on the Mount, and the Beatitudes preceded. And one of the greatest things that you can catch is this, that if you're trying to be salt and light on your own power, you will fail miserably. But if you're doing it in, which, in a way in which you are connected to God and you're allowing God to work through you and to shine through you and allow you to be salt and light, then you can succeed. Because the goal is for Jesus to shine through you. It's not for you to try a new evangelism strategy, but it's for you to be what God has called you to be as you're connected to him. Matthew chapter 5, you have your Bibles. I'm going to ask that you turn over to to Matthew chapter 5 again. This is the last in our series, No Plan B. This is the last one in which we kind of tie it all together. It's hard to be salt. It's hard to be light. But in God's power, through the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, you can be that salt and light. Matthew chapter 5, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're gonna look down in verse 16. This is the last in this, this little section that we've been studying. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter five, let's begin. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are honored to be in your presence today. God, I'm asking that your spirit would have freedom to move in and amongst us. God, as we spend this next few moments, I pray that you would anoint this time. I pray that you would meet with us. I want to hear from you. I know this group of believers, they want to hear from you as well. I pray that as we hear from you, that God, you would give us the courage to walk out of this place being willing to apply what we've heard to our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. So here's what it says, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. The verb changes just a little bit. You see, at the beginning of our passage, it says, You are the salt. Very emphatically, you are it. There's no plan B. You are the light. You are it. There's no plan B. Now it changes and now it becomes a little different. It becomes a permissive imperative. You still need to be the light. Watch this. You now have to grant it permission. Permission. Let your light shine. You have to be willing to say, Yes, you have to be willing to say, I want my light to shine. Because in the preceding verses, what you just saw is that you have the chance and you have the ability to hide your light, to put it under a bushel, to put it out and say, I don't want others to see it. But now what he's saying is saying, ready, give it permission to shine. You didn't create the light. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, he put the light in you. And now all you have to do let that shine, give it permission to shine out. Isn't that amazing? You have to be willing, just do your normal thing, live your life, but give it permission to shine. Now, some of you, I know I know in an audience like this, there's, there's a group of people in here who maybe, this is your first time to come to church and the reason you're at church today is because somebody has been hounding you and hounding you and hounding you to come to church. And then you get here and you hear a sermon like this, going. that's why my friend consistently invites. The pastor's up there just being a raving lunatic, just telling everybody, make sure they invite somebody. So let me just help you, you ready? If that's you and you're here today, we, we all do this when we get excited about something, don't we? When we get excited about something, the Texas Rangers are going to the World Series. We go nuts. We have to share it with everybody, why? When we find something new, we find something that we like, something that excites us, we have to share it with other people. We do the same thing when the the Mavericks went to the NBA playoffs, and they kept winning, and then they get to the championship, and then they win there, what do we do? Everybody starts talking about it. A new Home Depot is coming to town, yes. How about In-N-Out Burgers coming to Arlington? Yeah, we go crazy. I drove up to Frisco just to make sure I had several of those. So so stoked about them being right here in my backyard. It's awesome. in and out Burgers. We We get excited. Hey, there's a cell at Macy's and Dillard's right now. If you go hang out just a few minutes and then you can get down there. We tell everybody, new Harry Potter movie, I'm gonna go see it. I can't wait. And you go. We tell everybody. When we get excited about something, what do we do? We share it. Guys, and ladies alike. So let me just help you out. If you're here today and your friend's been inviting you, the reason they keep inviting you is because they're just excited about what Jesus has done in their life. They're just wanting to share what they have found and they want you to know about it. There might be another group in here today who you're Christians and you, you've been a Christian for a while and you've been a Christian and you're sitting here going, Heath, I am so ready for you to be finished with this series. Three weeks, it's three simple verses. Come on, hurry up, get through it. Come on, it shouldn't take that long. Salt and light, yeah, 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 we got it. But you haven't quite bought into it because you think as a Christian, you know, that whole talking to others about it, it really shouldn't happen. See, the way you see it is that when you come to church it's okay to talk about sports. When you come to church, it's okay to talk about business. When you come to church, it's okay to talk about school. When you come to church, it's okay to talk about other things. But what happens at church should stay at church you see it's you shouldn't talk about church at business, at your workplace. You shouldn't talk about church at school You shouldn't talk about church because what happens at church should stay at church. Can I just help you out? As a Christian, if that's where you're landing and that's where you're going, you will not ever find that in Scripture. You are designed to talk about Jesus Christ. And some of you are going, whoa, wait a minute, I'm a good Calvinist. Even a good Calvinist understands the fact that somebody comes to know Christ after it's been heard. So no matter where you land on your theological spectrum, you cannot logically get to the point of saying, I should never share my faith, I should never talk about Jesus. You cannot logically get there unless, you ready? Unless you don't believe that people spend eternity somewhere. And if you don't believe people spend eternity somewhere, then you can get there. But if you believe that people spend eternity somewhere, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and that people have sinned, that God does punish sin, and that God loves people so much that he sent Jesus to come to the earth, to die on a cross, to pay for your sins so that you don't have to, he rose again And now the beautiful gift is that I get to share that with other people. And not only this, ready? Not only can I be forgiven, but I have a God who loves me and talks to me, interacts with me, and I can interact with him. What an incredible privilege. So if you're supposed to give permission to it, and as a Christian, you're sitting back going, I don't know if I can quite go there. Let me help you with this one more, just make it one more tweak here, you ready? If you're in relationship with somebody, it doesn't matter what environment, you're always in relationship with them. Watch, I am married. See this ring, it shows that I'm married. Now, it doesn't matter what environment I go into, I am always married. Are you following this? Watch this. Now, if I were to go home to Jamie and say, Jamie, I just want you to know, when we're at church, we're gonna be married. We're gonna act like we're married. And, and that's good, but when I go work out at the gym, I just wanna let you know, I'm gonna put the ring off to the side and I'm gonna act like I'm not married because in that environment, it's, it doesn't really work well for me. Would you like to be there for that conversation? Do you think that's gonna go well? Okay, so watch this. Because I'm in relationship with her, no matter what environment I go into, I'm always in relationship with her, whether she's there or not. Did you catch that? So if it's your job and if it's my job to give permission to Jesus Christ shining through us, then no matter what environment I go into, I am to give permission to that light shining through I'm always in relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you catching this? Now, follow me. Let's look at this next part of the verse. Here's what it says Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, and then what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a really good Baptist today, I'm going to alliterate four words. That means I'm going to give you all eyes, and every word is going to start with I, okay? Four eyes and I'm gonna help you be able to remember this. So you walk out of here and you're going, why should I be the salt? Why should I be light? How do I do this? I'm just gonna make it real simple. Four eyes, you can remember this on your way out. Ready, number one. The first eye is that we have to live with integrity. Integrity. Let them see your good works. Integrity, the way you live. See, it's time for us as Christians, if we name the name of Jesus Christ, to quit giving people an excuse excuse that there are a bunch of hypocrites over there. It's time for us to actually start living as if Jesus really matters. As if that book actually has something for us to live for and live by. It's time for us to actually live with integrity. Live in such a way, you ready? Live in such a way that when others are watching you, when others see you, they go, why do you do that? You know, I've never heard you I've never heard you talk bad about somebody else. What's up with that? Why do you do that? Don't you have anything bad to say about people? Oh, yeah, I do. And if you would know what's going on in my mind, absolutely you would know I do. But there's a difference. There's a reason why. So why won't you do that business deal? Why won't you sign your name on that line? Why don't you, when we're all going out for drinks, why do you have to head home so fast? What's so important about home? What, what's so different about your marriage? You really want to spend time with your husband? Never even heard of that. You're excited to get home to see your wife? Why? You want to spend time with your kids? You're not always just looking for a way to get rid of them. You like your kids? Why do you do what you do? And here's the point. You want to connect them to God. You don't wanna connect them to rules or religion. Now watch this, I wanna help you out as much as I can. I'm gonna use an illustration for, as, for teenagers, okay? So you guys can really catch this. Um, let's say your friends are asking you to go to a party and at that party, you know there's gonna be alcohol, you know there's gonna be a lot of things there, you should not be around, okay? You could say, I can't go because my parents said I can't. Now, what did you just connect them to? Rules. You just connected them to rules. And what will typically happen is what? They're gonna make fun of you. Come on, you don't have to obey your parents. Are you kidding me? And they go after your parents and, and you make the parents a bad guy, right? You went after rules, you connected them to rules. You can do the same thing in business. The reason I go home so early, the reason I want to make sure I go home and I don't need it, I'm not gonna spend as much time hanging out with you is because I love my wife. Okay, you're connecting, I don't want, my wife needs me at home, you're connected to to this rules. But watch this, now, same thing, illustration. As a teenager, you can also say this. I can't go to that party because it's wrong. Now, there's probably things wrong there, right? And that's probably a good reason. But what did you just connect them to? Now you moved from rules, now you moved to religion. I can't really go because I'm a Christian, I can't go because you, know, you guys are gonna be doing things wrong and as a Christian, we just don't do that. You're not wanting to connect them to a religious system either. Are you following this? Because many times, this is how we say, I don't live this way because I'm a Christian and you're connecting them to religion and you're missing the entire point. The entire point is for you to connect them to God, that you're living with such integrity and in such a difference, in such a different way that people are going, why do you live that way? Why do you act that way? And they say, why? And when they say, why? You're going, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And you're ready to do this. I don't want to go to that party because when I'm at that party, there's a good chance that I'm going to hurt my heavenly father. What? Heavenly Father, who has a Heavenly Your Father died, what? No, the God that I love the most, it would hurt Him if I'm there and I'm doing wrong. and I don't want to hurt Him. You just changed the entire conversation. Are you following this? Adults, you can put it into the same scenarios for you. You're not going home early just because you want to go home or just because your kid wants daddy home. You're not going home just because your wife is wanting you to go home. You're not going home just because you're a good Christian. You're going home because you want to bring God the most glory that you can, that you want to honor God. And by honoring God, that means that you're the best husband that you could possibly be, that you're the best dad that you possibly could be. You following this? You live with integrity, and then your job is to connect them to God not rules and not religious system. Because if we're connecting them to a religious system, we have failed in what we're called to do. Next I, identify. I like this one, identify. In your world in which you live, in the world in which you go around, there are people who desperately need the light that you're carrying. They need that salt. So here's the challenge for you to begin to identify. When you go to Starbucks, you start making friends and you start actually talking to them by name. And you talk to the person at the counter at Tom Thumb where you consistently shop or wherever you go most often. And when you're there, you start talking to them and you start saying, okay, God, here's a name. I'm gonna start praying for Susie Q. Okay, I'm gonna pray for John Q. I'm going to, you just start writing their names down and you start saying, God, I'm going to pray for them. Whoever you're coming in contact with, identify them. And you start praying, God, would you open up conversations? God, would you create a spiritual need in their life? God, would you open up something so that I can talk with them? You identify and you start praying for them. How many of you have ever prayed a high risk prayer like that? That's tough, isn't it? When you do, watch out. God begins to work and you identify those people around you. Okay, I can pray for them, I wanna start praying for them. And then here's where the next step, invest. Number three, invest. So now you've identified people around you and now you begin to invest in them. And as you invest in them, here's what I'm asking you to do. You start talking to them, maybe you buy them a Coke, maybe you buy them some coffee. You start interacting with them and you start learning about their life and you start asking them questions. How's your, how's your husband? How's your wife? How, how are your kids doing? You start investing in them and you start spending time with them, interacting with them. And then as they come up with, man, my marriage right now it stinks, it's on the rocks. Take it to another level of investing. And what if you do this? What if you took and you buy, you buy them a book or a message series? and you say, hey, this really helped me. And you pass it on, pass on information. We live in such an incredible age in which you can buy information and you can pass it on. And what you're doing is you're passing on just, not just information, but you're passing on the God of the universe. This really helped my marriage and you pass it on. This has really helped me in parenting and you pass it on. You invest in them. And then last, you invite. You invite them to hear your story. Well, Heath, I've never shared my faith story. I've never shared, I don't even know what it means to give a testimony. I've heard that word. What's a testimony? What's a faith story? Three ways, simple. What you were before Christ, how you came to know Jesus Christ, and how your life has been since. It makes it really easy because you're ready for this. You don't have to memorize my story. You just have to memorize your story. It's what happened to you so you don't even forget it because you remember it. It's what happened to you. You don't have to be a great theologian. You don't have to have all the answers. You just share, here's what I was before Jesus Christ. Here's how I came to know Jesus Christ. And here's what happened after. Your faith story. Well, Heath, I just don't know. This sounds really hard. This sounds really tough. To connect people to God? I, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, you're the professional. You, I mean, you know how to speak. I can't. Donna Brewer, would you please come up? This is Donna Brewer. Donna and Mike have been a part of our church now for a, a little while. And, and now they, they had something fun that they did yesterday. They actually had a, a bike ride. Her husband started the bike ministry here, the motorcycles, and they've been riding around and And Donna was sharing with me a couple weeks ago just a little bit about her story and what God is doing in her life and through her life. And so I asked her if she would be willing to share. Thank you. I'm
1: Donna Brewer, and I'm really an unlikely disciple. I um, Well, let me start. Two years ago, I started a job that I hated. Um, I didn't like the people there. Or, I thought I didn't, so I took my Bible study to work every day, and I just sat at my desk through lunch. I ate at my desk. I didn't really want to know those people um, they, <laughs> I thought they weren't very nice, and they were all full of drama, so I did that for two years and then, um about two weeks ago, one of the ladies who I really didn't like came to my desk at five five o'clock and I was ready to go home and she had these brochures and what said Bible in her hand. And she asked me to look at them. And so I looked at them and, um, they were Jehovah witness tracts and a Jehovah witness Bible. And she said that, um, she was speaking with someone and she just wanted to know what I thought. She said, you know, I noticed that you do your Bible study. So I looked at it and I said, um, I don't know anything about their doctrine, but let me go home and look it up, and I'll let you know tomorrow. So in the morning, I got to work. I went to get my coffee, and she was waiting at the coffee machine for me to know what I found out. <laughs> so I said to her, you know, I, I don't agree with their doctrine. They don't believe in the Trinity. And she said, well, what's that? And I said, That's they don't believe that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, and she said, well, I think that's probably crap. I said, yeah, I think, I think so too. (laughs) So a little later the same day, she, another lady came to me and she said that she had been talking to this woman and they wanted to do a Bible study once a week at work with two or three of us. And could you lead? And I was like, oh no, I'm not a teacher. I can't do that. And I said, I just don't know enough. And she said, well, you know, more than we do. So, you know, we'll, we'll just have lunch and, and do this. And so I went to Mardell and I went to Lifeway. And then I went to Julie, (laughs) to Julie Carlisle. And I said, Julie, I don't know what to do. And she said, well, why don't you do Esther? You know, you you let Beth Moore teach and you just facilitate. So I said, Oh, okay. I could, I could do that. (laughs) And now I have a problem even praying aloud in front of people. So this was really a, a struggle for me, but um we we've now done 2 weeks which is was wonderful they're hungry and they want to know lots and I don't have a whole lot of answers but I keep looking stuff up and um just the other day Friday actually I went from my cubicle which has four women in it to the next cubicle which has four women in it and every one of those eight desks had a bible on it which was incredible But, and my boss came to me and, (laughs) and she said, well, you know, I'm so grateful that you're doing this for them, which I was kind of scared that she would nix it, but she didn't. And she said, so go ahead and use the conference room, get the IT people to set up the, we have a big screen. (laughs) So they've set up the big screen. We have sound and I bring my laptop in and that's what we do. But I'll keep you all posted. So far, so good. They want to know what we're going to do next, which is really good. So <laughs> that's. But I was trying to hide my light, and um, it kept coming off. <laughs> I was putting a basket over it, and the Holy Spirit was lifting it. So Amen. that's it. <laughs> Thank you.
0: as she was studying her Bible, just trying to do the right things, she didn't have an evangelism strategy. Did you catch that? Her good works became a light to the entire office. What would happen? What would happen if you and I would give permission today to say, God, I, I really am scared to lead a Bible study. God, I'm really scared to start a prayer group at my school. God, I'm really scared to do any of that. But I'll make the commitment today that God, you have permission. You have permission in my life. You know I don't know much about the Bible. God, you know I, you just know me. But God, I give you permission today to let my light shine. I'm not going to hide it, I'm not going to cover it up. God, if you ask me to take a step, God, in all my fear, I'm going to take the step because I know it's in your power. And then, God, as you give me another opportunity, God, I'm going to take that step. And God, I gonna. I really pray that you would allow me to do something radically different this year. That God, as, as, as we start looking into the fall and as we start looking at God, I'm asking that I don't just sit back and do nothing, but God, I'm asking that you would uncover this light. and God, I'm asking that you would do something great in my life. You don't have to be Billy Graham. All you have to do is willingly Commit to saying, God, you have permission to work through me. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if not just Donna, but another person, another person, students, all throughout, wherever God puts you in, whatever sphere God puts you in, It would radically change this area. Matter of fact, it's a much better evangelism strategy, isn't it? Because we couldn't necessarily strategize that one. If I were asking for a small group leader to do something in in a workplace, Donna probably wouldn't have raised her hand. But when she's being willing to be the light and to take the step, God does something way bigger.